0: This is your buddy and your pal Ouch, and welcome to Ouch's Xmas Extravaganza. That's right, folks, it's the holiday season, and what better way to celebrate than by reviewing classic Christmas specials that I watched back in October? Listen, inspiration strikes at weird times for me, I have to act on them when I can. But for this special time of year, we have two brand new whatcha been watchins taking a look at some Christmas classics from one of the most well-known names in Christmas specials, Rankin Bass Productions. But if you know me, I can't deal with anything popular. Sure, I could watch the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special, but I believe everyone has that imprinted on their brain. There's not much I can really add to it. But did you know that Rankin-Bass basically made Christmas specials almost all the way through the 80s and they never replay that shit? Frosty the Snowman, sure we all know that one, but Frosty's Winter Wonderland where the sole plot is Frosty wanting a wintertime booty call? Bet you never seen that one before. That's right, we're going to be looking at the specials even expanded cable packages passed on. So. Let's start this weird winter wonderland. When you talk about the fun side of Christmas, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? That's right, the polar bear that has a taste for corn syrup and aspartame. But unless I get a brand deal from Coca-Cola, we're stuck here talking about Santa Claus. Now, of course, St. Nicholas has a real history with roots deep as an old oak tree, but back in the 60s, there was no such thing as Wikipedia. The only way kids learned anything was through the magic of television. Television! Teacher! Mother! Secret lover. So, riding high on the success of the previous year's Frosty the Snowman, Rankin-Bass headed back into the world of stop-motion animation, tackling the topic of Santa's secret origin to which they decided, ah, this is for kids, let's just make some crap up. So grab your penguin and get ready to melt some hearts as we take a look at Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Oh, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. From 1970, Santa Claus is coming to town, directed by Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass, written by Romeo Muller, starring Fred Astaire, Mickey Rooney, and Kenan Wynn. This is the fifth special from Rankin Bass, following the animated Frosty the Snowman, and the third stop-motion special, following the Little Drummer Boy. This special kind of started a Rankin Bass multiverse as characters here would come back voiced by the same actor in other specials. Astaire's character came back in 1977's The Easter Bunny is Coming to Town, and Mickey Rooney would reprise his Santa role in 1974's The Year Without a Santa Claus. Another fun trivia note is the fact that MGM Records put out a promo vinyl release for this soundtrack for radio stations to play. You can get the soundtrack on CD, but apparently these vinyls are very rare. The visuals go back to the classic stop motion animation that Rankin Bass is known for, even though all that was done in Japan. But for some reason, it felt like it was even jankier than it should have been, just in the first 5 minutes alone. There were so many missing frames of animation I thought I was having a seizure. It evens out a little bit through the special. But that opening scene, for some reason, I had to look away for a few moments just so I could stop the processing. The one thing I will put over about the visuals are the moments where they blend the 2D and live action moments together. It's few and far between, but they'll have little moments where an animated ball would be bouncing on the page of a book and then it bounces out into the real world. The fact that they could get it synced almost frame perfect was a really cool effect. There's maybe two moments in some of the opening songs where it does this, but it's an attention to detail that's rewarding to see. In terms of the audio, in my opinion, it feels like two steps forward and one step back. The voice acting cast is honestly huge in terms of star power at the time. Fred Astaire as your narrator, Mickey Rooney as Kris Kringle, Keenan Wynn as Winter Warlock, all do a completely respectable and competent job. Where it stumbles is the fact that most of the songs are not that great. I would say most people might only remember the Toymaker to the King song, and then maybe like one foot in front of the other. And maybe Jessica's song, but for a different reason, which we'll get to in a little bit. But yeah, there's a reason why most of the songs get cut for airtime. Because they just aren't that good. Plus, oh, Mickey Rooney? Not quite a singer. Oh, what a good girl. Oh, what a good boy. Oh, what a big smile. All because of a toy. If you sit on my lap today, a kiss a toy is the price you'll pay. Well- the special opens with S. D. Kluger, our mailman slash narrator, voiced by Fred Astaire. He's basically our omnipotent narrator because he knows everything that happens about Santa. You'd think someone who works at a post office would have a better hobby, but to each his own. He basically has an entire mail truck slash snowmobile hybrid filled with letters to Santa as voiced by real kids. There are two major weird points here within two minutes of the show open. One, he immediately starts opening all of the mail in these sacks. Which means he's probably not the greatest mailman, as opening someone else's mail is considered a felony in the US. Granted, they are letters to Santa, so no harm, no foul. Maybe it's just a violation in spirit and not the letter of the law. Mailman pun fully intended. And then, in kind of a weird creative choice, instead of having like little kid puppets or dolls talking to SD, the kids' voices are shown coming out of the bags of mail on the truck which means he's either hallucinating everything and was just completely making up stories about Santa Claus in the middle of the forest while on the clock, or there's a bunch of kids in those mail sacks. All depends on how dark you want to take this. SD starts telling the story of Santa, starting all the way back in a town called Somber Town. Now, no offense to the Somber Townsfolk, but it seems excessively hopeless, like, more than a small town should be trust me i grew up outside of a small town one that was in the news fairly recently for trains and not toy trains i mean yes the town official burgermeister meister, meister Burger, Seems to be a former Nazi, complete with pointed helmets, the town walls are in desperate need of power washing, and everyone seems to be permanently hunched over. But this was made in the late 60s. You know, free love has to be just around the corner for this place. Just wait. Granted, a baby does get abandoned to the town official, and apparently there are so many abandoned children that there's an entire orphan asylum in this world except the sign leading the way to it says it's 10 kilometers out of town, which seems like a real hindrance for the lackey to carry a baby to. You know what, Sombertown? After writing that last sentence, I think you're in the clear on this one. You've earned your depression. The lackey loses the baby in a winter storm, who is then picked up by magical yet nondescript forest animals and taken to someplace safe. Unfortunately, they bring the baby to Rainbow River Valley, where the Kringles live. Put it like this, the Kringle family may be one of the most annoying families to ever exist. The Kringles make the seven dwarves look like heads of state with class and elegance. Kringle was their name. The door was answered by an elf named Dingle. Dingle Kringle, to be precise. Yes? Who's there? There's who? Ooh. Wiggle my ears and tickle my toes. Methinks I see a baby's nose. It's more than a nose. There's a whole baby attached to it. Better call my brothers. Wingle, bingo, tingle, zingle. What is it, bingo? It's a baby, zingle. A baby what, wingle? A baby, baby, tingle. I like babies, Bingle. Our babies, the best baby of them all. Not only are their voices pitched way too high, you can't even tell them apart. Their names even seem to be more insulting than the Seven Dwarves, and one of them is named Dopey. That's just one step away from being called Stupid Moron. Like, in that clip, did anyone else catch those names? Because I sure didn't. That's a tone that only bats can hear. So, this is just the part of the movie that's basically Elf, without the sarcasm or Will Ferrell. Chris is raised by the elves, he learns everything from them about toy making, and he learns all of his special skills from the animals. But it's explained that the Kringles only make toys. They don't do anything else. All day, just making dollies and trains. Except they don't have the means to deliver the toys to anybody, so they just throw everything outside to rot away due to harsh weather conditions. Put it like this, on the third day of toy making, I'm probably going to snap at everyone. It's just me yelling at a bunch of elves, What the hell are we doing here? Bingle, stop making toy trains. We're just wasting all of this wood. How about we take the wood and we go build a second house so I don't have to hear Zingle breathe through his goddamn nose. So this is when the time skip cliche happens with Chris Kringle now an adult. He decides he's going to start taking all of the toys to whatever happens to be the closest town. I don't think he thought that far ahead. But the thing that happens in every Rankin-Bass show happens. He gets an extra animal pal. It happened in Frosty. It was basically the entire special in Rudolph. They just thought an extra animal made things truly magical. And it's a penguin. So what the hell? Could they have shoehorned a factual animal in its place? Sure, but where's the Christmas spirit and normal logic? Hey! Why, why, you're a penguin. Well, what is a penguin doing here? You're looking for a stick? A branch? A log? A pole? The North Pole? No, the South Pole. So Chris and Topper make it to Sombertown, where somehow Burgermeister Meisterburger is still in charge? I I, I mean, think about it. We'll estimate that Chris is 21 years old for the sake of truly being an adult. Not only have we seen Chris grow up completely, we also saw that Burgermeister was already an old man in charge of the village when he was a baby. So A... Is Somber Town the one town that has a dictator in charge, throwing out crazy rules like banning toys and banishing free elections in order for total control? And B, even if A is true, in theory, Bürgermeister should be past a point of mental capacity, becoming a comically senile old coot where he's just sitting in a wheelchair saying funny things while people think about the old times of his regime? At this time, every Blurn's day, we will reward the finest haberdasher with a poodle, to do with as he pleases! Well, I mean, at least the walls are covered with grime, like they should be. So Chris makes it to town, introduces himself to the kids, and basically starts berating them for not knowing who he is. It's like the first example of a social media influencer trying to threaten someone with a bad Yelp review. Better watch out, better not cry, better not pout. Why? I'm telling you why. Yeah. Because I came to town and look what I brought. This is also when our female lead, Jessica, is introduced and yowza, she got carved out nicely. I'm not trying to be crude, but it appears she has two Subway sandwiches sticking out of her chest. And this is the only other female Chris has seen in his entire life. He's been living with the Kringles for years. The only other woman he knows is Tanta Kringle the Elf Queen, and she's built like an old throw pillow. That's like going from a VHS tape straight into 1080i. Now, If you have a keen eye, you can actually see drawings of Jessica in the history book during the Royal Toymaker song at the beginning of the special. So it's a weird bit of predicting the future in here as well. Granted, that's a weird explanation without a father figure. Now, Chris, this is your future wife. She's probably going to sing a strange hippie song at some point in time. So you better hope she's great in the sack. Uh, I guess we've come to the point in time where we have to talk about the Winter Warlock. Begrudgingly, but we can talk about him. They make an attempt to have him be the second antagonist, being the obstacle between Sombertown and the Kringles. Except he gets the turning good arc because Chris gave him a toy train. Speaking as a heartless monster myself, I'm gonna need more than a toy train to change my life habits. I have a lot of demands to meet. And that's the weird thing, Almost right after getting the gift and becoming an ally, he loses all of his magic powers. Oh, Mr. Warlock. Oh, uh, winter, please. You must help me stop Chris, please use your magic. Oh uh, Alas, I've been disenchanted. I have no more powers. I can't even do card tricks. Well, wait, I'm sorry. When did this happen? Why? Because you turned nice? Because all of the really annoying elves started living with you? I watched this special all the way through, and absolutely nothing happened to him. There's no reason why he can't do some hocus pocus. I think he was basically pretending he was in charge of all the bad weather, and then they got some of those summer sunny winter days, and it just completely blew his cover. And honestly, the animals are sentient enough the magic corn he has that makes reindeer fly is probably just a placebo at best. And then there's this line which might be the most depressing line ever in a Christmas special. Well, I still have a little magic. Oh, I'm not such a loser after all. <laughs> wow. That's a level of self-hatred even I can't match. Seriously, check in on your friends. We're all fighting battles here. There's no need to suffer in silence unless you deserve it. So Chris's team is all set. The Kringles make the toys, Miss Jessica tells the school kids how to get to them, Chris delivers them, and Winter kinda hangs out, hoping he doesn't get edited out of the special. Chris says this line. That's fun. What a great job I've got. Dude, you just started doing this illegal act complete with more illegal acts like breaking and entering and you bribed the one person who was in your age range to help with this conspiracy with a doll either all of chris's toys have a poison gas that brainwashes people or his charisma is off the charts or they are really well made toys i have to keep all options open and to be fair The kids could actually help Chris in this endeavor and not take the toys outside. You know, Chris would have less to make. Burgermeister wouldn't see anything. The kids need to play along, that's what I'm saying. After a couple of tries and revisions, Burgermeister finally arrests Chris for delivering toys and everyone else for aiding a criminal, except Jessica, which I think is just based on lack of evidence. Even though she is standing side by side with the Winter Warlock when they get raided. That's like arresting everyone in a drug bust except the human shield. She still plays a role. Which leads us to the bug nuttiest part of the special. My own town turned against me. Well, my eyes are beginning to open for the very first time to what life is really all about. And I know just where I belong. With Chris, wherever he is, today is not the end, it's only the beginning. Yes, Jessica's song number. Quite the acid trip for a Christmas special. Psychedelic colors, animated backgrounds, even a sexy hair letdown scene for Jessica. When I first saw this, it's pretty much just a complete blast of Confused Ray. Not only that, when I was watching it the first time, they cut the second verse or around half of the song, whatever you want to call it, and just went into the next scene. So just maddening decisions all around. Now, the thing you have to remember about TV specials like this are the fact these were made way ahead of their premiere, maybe even by years, you know, 1968, 69, nice. So even though this aired in 1970, that's almost considered the 60s still. Remember, the 90s didn't start January 1st, 1990. It was September 24th, 1991, Yes, well, wasn't exactly expecting that on a Christmas episode, but here we are. Aside from the weird time capsule effect this song has, I also kinda think it basically destroys Jessica as character. Basically, experiencing injustice by her government turns her into a manic pixie dream girl for Chris Kringle. They met once, she, he gave her a doll, and that just flummoxed her into a state of almost Stockholm Syndrome, except she could stay at her house, but she basically gives up everything for her man, which is probably not a great idea. Now, I'm looking at some of my notes here, and while I had a few more funny points and whatnot, The memorable parts of the special end here, because I think the weakest part of the entire story is how it ends. There was a very clear story of good versus, well, maybe not evil, but certainly mean. You had the conflict, the rising action, but the big finish to the story falls flatter than a hot water bottle filled with pudding. But when did they stop calling him an outlaw? Well, as time went by, that changed. You see, the Meisterburgers, they kind of died off and fell out of power. And by and by, the good people realized how silly the Meisterburger laws were. Well, everybody had a wonderful laugh and then forgot all about him. <laughs> yes, sir, the old like what the ding-dang damn hell. The bad guy just dies off-screen and everyone gets over it. No change of heart, no comeuppance or anything? What a dud of an explanation. It just reads, we wrote ourselves into a corner. Like, have Burgermeister put Kris Kringle on trial, have Chris give him a present, that Burgermeister doesn't fall for it that one, but then have all the kids, have all the townsfolk give Burgermeister a present, just an overwhelming amount of good cheer They do a complete Grinch's heart moment for Burgermeister. Then you can finish up the Santa mythos. Boom, credits, cue stair singing, you're done. The ending of the special really tries to throw on a layer of sentimentality, so much so it almost comes off unearned considering the story wrap up. Chris and Jessica get married, it's all out in the forest. There's almost a really preachy sense to it To quote Lisa Simpson, They want cheap sentiment? I'll pump them so full of sap they'll be blowing their nose with a pancake. And then basically after that, it's the same thing. The elves make toys. Chris delivers them. Granted, Chris and Jessica put on like 60 pounds after the honeymoon, assuming. It pretty much proves my theory that everyone has a sexy point in time, and then you turn 35 and you just crash through the bottom of the barrel. Overall, this is such a strange special. It's oddball, it's weird as hell, which is all the more reason I like it. To me, there's always something about trying to come up with a new Christmas mythos, a new story, anything. And all things considered, this special does succeed in that aspect. Granted, the rest of the story, the musical numbers, characters don't quite pull their weight, So this special never really broke into the main stratosphere with like Rudolph and Charlie Brown. But even then, the total sense of goofiness makes it worth at least a watch. I'm going to give Santa Claus is Coming to Town a seven out of 10. Behave yourselves, cause Santa can still look into his magic snowball and see just what you're up to. Now that you know all about him, you can be darn sure it comes snow or high water. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not hide. i am tell you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the OUCHCAST. To keep up with the show, Follow us over on Spotify so you never miss a new episode. And if you like what you hear, send an email over this way at ouch64 at gmail.com. This podcast was written without AI assistance. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time.